0: Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true Blue pod production. Quarterback draw, he's gotta run through him at the first down. Watch out! He's got getaway speed! Touchdown! That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time, a couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day, Saturdays, mid-time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend, full of back-to-back games, just me and my friends. Man, I love college, college football, I love March Madness, man, I
1: love college.
0: Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode
1: of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. I'm Trey Smith. I'm Brandon Holmes. Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast and YouTube channel for those of you who are streaming podcasts and YouTube channel for the fans, by the fans, dropping fresh college sports content every day. Trey. Every single day. Let's just talk about, I know we have, we always have an agenda, but let's just talk about how great our YouTube channel is doing right now. Shout out to the YouTube supporters, man, in the YouTubers. We thank you y'all who are streaming tonight. We've got yeah. some cool like DMs this last week about just kind of our work and what we've been doing. It's been encouraging. Yeah, it's it's been real encouraging and we're
0: continuing to grow and we just appreciate the support and you know, whether you're someone that just sticks to one playlist or you're someone that watches all of our <laughs> content or someone that watches the full episodes, whatever it is, we just appreciate you being here and hopefully we can continue growing and putting out that college sports content for the fans by the fans like from from week 1 of this episode that's what our 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 mindset has been we're just two fans we're on here giving our takes giving our perspective we're not out here trying to be these experts and reporters and whatever else um we're just two fans just like you listening or watching so um the blue bloods double dribble so let's let's start there we had i mean we're we're in this weird space with college sports right now we're Mm -hmm. we're in a situation where college football is over the season is but it's like we're in a whole new season (laughs) right now with like the transfer portal being on fire which we're about to get to the coaching carousel the recruiting ball is like uh, two months away signing day coming up all of that stuff happening but then also like we're in the heart of conference play with college hoops Yep. And we're about to hit that final stretch here in a month or so as we gear up going into, uh, going into March. Oh and so madness. we're continuing to play with our format as we uh, sort of are in this transitional part of the season uh, coming out of football. If you've listened to, with us from day one, you remember we used to have a pretty uh, consistent format for each football, each week of college football. It was ball prediction. Uh, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. And we're going to start kind of incorporating some of that back into uh, the basketball side of things. But if the transfer portal keeps blowing up, like it's been doing, and there's just so much going on, like we can't not talk about it on a full episode. You got to address it. Let's start with basketball. Once again, like every week we had uh, a handful of upsets. I know you actually made uh, a, a sidebar video, a bonus video about one of them. So go ahead and you start us off, and then I'll I'll
1: close us out with the different upsets we had. Yeah, man, I'll, I'm gonna talk about these boys down in Lubbock, Texas, man. Well, not down down west, wherever you're at, Lubbock, Texas. Mark Adams and the Texas Tech Red Raiders have been b- b- ball lin. Two major upsets in one week, bro. What they do, Kansas, then they did, um, they beat Baylor, but then. What happens is you said it last time we talked about them, right? Mm-hmm. You said, B, the thing I'm concerned about Texas Tech is can they go these long stretches or these long droughts of not scoring points? And when is it mm-hmm. going to catch up to them? And it did, man. It, it caught up to them. They lost to Kansas State on Saturday. They lost to Kansas State 62-51. to um, But then here's the crazy part, Like, and we'll probably dig some deeper into this, is um, number one Baylor lost again. Yeah. So they lost early, they lost early to Texas Tech in the week, and then they lost again to Oklahoma State. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just like a close loss, they lost 61-54. to 54. I mean, that's, a, that's for a very mediocre, in my opinion, very me- mediocre, Oklahoma. this isn't Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham last year. right? And so I meant the Big 12, man, they, dare we say, and we were texting about it, are they like the SEC West of college basketball this year? I mean um if if you're looking man they got a lot of solid teams in the big 12 and i'm interested to see how this is going to divvy up i still like my personal opinion i know you like baylor Mm -hmm. um some of that i'm i know you love baylor your dad went to baylor you got family ties i don't know if it some of that plays into your decision i No, they're
0: just really good
1: (laughs) i like i still like texas tech even when they don't score um I'm just in, blame it on me growing up in Detroit, blame it on me growing up on the bad boys pistons where de- yeah. defense went. The only titles we've seen in Detroit is not because we've had an explosive offense. We've had tough, gritty, hard-nosed, make you earn everything defense. And maybe mm. that's why I have this like love for Texas Tech. It just rem- they're not as physical as the bad boys and I mean this is just two different eras, but they do play smothering defense, man. So I just have this like little I have this like crush on teams that play great defense because to Mm -hmm. me, I just, it's what I grew. If you grew up playing basketball in Detroit, like that is Detroit's brand style of it. We're going to play tough, gritty, any basketball player, any prep kid you see come out of Detroit, even to this day, they can score, but they're known for their, they're just relentless dogs on the defensive Mm -hmm. side of the basketball. So for me personally, I do like Texas tech. I mean, I think they can hang with anybody. Um, I'm not sure where they are with their leading score coming back from like the COVID protocols and all that, but mm-hmm. I think this is not a team anybody wants to see. Um come I don't think anybody wants to see them come March personally.
0: Yeah, I obviously with Baylor for me, the thing that if anything hinders them from duplicating what they were able to do last year, it's that their guard play isn't the same, but the link they have combined with the skill set the, the the skilled skilled they skill set they have I still give them the upper hand because they also play incredible defense as well. Yeah. I mean, Baylor will guard. They'll sit down on you. They'll guard you. They also have a matchup zone they can throw at you uh, that's very unique, and they've got the link to make it like really execute it well. Here's the thing with college basketball. I think a team like Baylor, someone like Scott Drew, he's going, okay, we had a bad week. Right. Somewhere deep, deep, deep down, he's going, we needed that bad week. We needed yeah. that to refocus ourselves for the like, last half of the season. And then True. you'll see it again where sometimes entering into the conference tournaments, there will be coaches that they're like, eh, we, we're already in. We're already going to be one of the top seeds. And they'll lose like in the first or second round. I'm not saying they throw the game, but right. it's not like it's just this heartbreaking, devastating loss. They're going, well, no, I'm going to rest up the rest of this weekend and get ready for the tournament. Uh, yeah. Texas Tech, actually, did that the year they went to the national championship? Yeah, where I think they true. lost in the first round of the Big Twelve uh, tournament that year, and they were one of the top seeds. If they weren't number one, they were in the top two or three. Lost in the first round, rested up, and then went on a a run that almost won won it all. And so I think you'll see teams that will have weeks like this. In here's where it kind of separates the men from the boys because some teams use a week like this to reset refocus and then they end up having a great back half of their season and then other teams kind of self-implode it's like they've gotten to this point in the season where now it's okay is what we've seen this whole time fool's gold or is this team the real deal in other Mm -hmm. words are they now being exposed and we're about to see them you know the wheels kind of fall off as the season progresses or are they going to use this as an opportunity to reset? And a team that I've kind of got my eye on right now is USC. Okay. Mm. They were the number five team in the country and they lost twice last week. So that's two top five teams that lost twice in one week. That's true. And I'm curious, not, I haven't watched a lot of them, but I do remember, gosh, I guess at this point, it's six, seven years, five, six years ago with the, uh, uh, ucla team with lonzo ball where yeah. they still won like 30 something games but i mean they raced out to win in like
1: it a was ridiculous amount of games,
0: yeah. and then they lost one i think maybe to oregon and then they kind of just into the went kind of stumbled into the pac 12 tournament and then they ended up losing i think getting knocked off by like kentucky and what was just a awful game to watch i mean that team got to a point where they were literally just playing on pure talent. They wouldn't guard anyone. Uh, Steve Alford was the coach of the team at the time. They they switched to a 3-2 defense, and they wouldn't even play that hard. Like It was just they became a team that was the most exciting team to watch in all of basketball, in my opinion, to start that season, getting it out, running the break, playing up and down, running the floor, to where then they became this team that's like they couldn't guard anybody. They couldn't play in the half court. It seemed like teams kind of started figuring them out. Yeah, And then they weren't even fun to watch. And so a team like USC right now, I'm wondering, I, I feel confident in Baylor because Baylor's been here before. I mean, they've they've been to the top of the mountain now. They've mm-hmm. had one of the top teams in all of college basketball. They've had a bad week and shown that they can rebound. I think Scott Drew probably on some level is going, I'm glad we had that. We needed that. We needed yeah. a, a, a reminder that we're, you know, we still have to work hard and stuff to do the things that, you know, we've built this program on if we want to keep winning, but a team like USC, I'm not so sure. I mean, they had a great run last year Uh you know, Andy infield. We've talked about him on this podcast before yep. their head coach. He's done a great job building that program, but they're just now getting here in the, the last couple of years where they've been like one of these top ranked programs. And so I'm just wondering, and I also don't trust the pac 12, man. Uh, I guess UCLA yeah. is winning me over but in, in Arizona even like they're they're trying to make a comeback some of these kind of basketball uh blue, blue blood. blood type programs in the Pac12 I don't know if I guess I guess Arizona would be debatable but UCLA for sure they're they're starting to make a comeback and in, in 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 I don't know I just think that what was it a couple of years ago Washington won like mm-hmm. A ton of games running that Syracuse zone. And then now they've kind of been figured out. I just there hasn't been a lot of sustainable success in the Pac-12 in recent years. And so now I'm wondering: okay, UCLA losing twice this week. Are the wheels about to fall off or are they going to get it together? But keeping it moving, we also had uh number 24 Alabama get into the SEC. They fell to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, the Razorbacks, baby, That's upset number 12 LSU. And they did it with their assistant coach leading the way. Key smart. Uh Eric Musselman was recovering from a surgery, so he wasn't even at the game. They went to Baton Rouge, beat LSU. Uh, great game. I actually watched that one from start to finish, as I always do with the Razorbacks. And uh, little guy by the name of JD Note, man. He's a he's been a difference maker on the offensive on the offensive end for the Hogs. Obviously, he's still playing pretty good defense. He's getting steals. He's causing havoc. But I think what's happened with the Razorbacks that we're seeing is their chemistry is starting to get figured out. Musselman and his staff are starting to figure out which group of guys they need to have out on the floor. And it's mm. crazy because our best lineup right now only has one guard out there in, in no Tay. Oh, wow. um, they just play so hard and they play together. And uh, anyways, the the the, the – best five, at least that have been starting, they come out and they make sure we don't have like a, 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 a soft, bad start. And obviously it paid some dividends with LSU. Um, and then LSU, I don't want to go on a tangent, but their coach, man, will wait. <laughs> that guy wears me out. Uh, but the SEC, they're not going to have as much tournament representation as like what I believe the Big 12 will. Mm -hmm. Uh, because even there, Kentucky and Tennessee. I mean, Kentucky beat the brakes off Tennessee. I'd have to look up the score, but uh, it was was not a close game. 107 to 79. Yeah, man, that was an 18 versus 22 matchup. LSU just beat Kentucky a couple weeks ago. Now Arkansas is beating LSU. So the SEC is a conference as well where I think any team could win on any given week. Uh, except for maybe a couple there at the very bottom. Another good uh, Big 12 game we had, Iowa State knocked off Texas. Oh, I say yeah, knocked off. I mean, they were ranked higher. Uh, but that's two more ranked teams in the Big mm-hmm. 12 that you just can't overlook as the season yeah. plays out. We haven't even really gotten into the ACC, or the you know, Big with 10. the Dukes and the Carolinas. I don't even know what's going on with Carolina. I know Duke's a top 10 team, and they took care of North Carolina State. Uh What's going on in the
1: ACC with some of those? Well, why you look that up, man? The Big Ten had an interesting week. Michigan State, oh, I love when they lose. It just makes me feel so good. Um, well, because they really, man, we they we got claimed that we ducked them because Michigan had to postpone due to COVID. Michigan's had a rough season. Coach Juwan Howard, man, they've had a mm-hmm. rough season. This year. A lot of COVID. We got a transfer guard in that just he isn't just didn't really fit, you know. Um, yeah. and and it's hard to nail. Like it looks good. He was going to get drafted, but decided to come back and because of what coach Howard just did with the last two guys that transferred in and it just you know that's it's that's the thing with transfer reporters hit or miss but um so yeah Michigan State was really trolling us saying like oh man we we opted out tonight, get beat and then they go and they lose to Northwestern um mm. <laughs> they're top Michigan State's a top 10 team. they lose to Northwestern but man I, the Big Ten man they're strong this year you got Illinois that's ranked you got Wisconsin you got State you got Ohio State you got Purdue, Purdue. I mean that's a it's a tough, tough, I think, you know, obviously I don't think they're on a, the elite level of the Big 12 as far as play that's going on, but I think the Big 12 and the Big 10 will probably have the most representation across the board from, you know, the major Power 5 com- conference. But the team, man, that I've been watching a lot is Providence. Providence okay. has been balling, man. Big East. Um, I've, like, you know, I've taken some, um, they were supposed to play UConn this week, and it, it got postponed. But the, the Friars, man, they're fourteen and two. Mm-hmm. They're fourteen and two this year. I think they're leading. Um, well, they're up there. They're 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 competing for the number one spot. Uh, they're one game back behind Nova. They've just been, they've been. They're one of those teams, man, that you don't over. You kind of overlook because they don't have the big time name. You know, they're not the UConn. They're not the Nova. They're not Marquette. They're not Xavier. But man, Providence, they're a top twenty five team. They're number twenty one and. They've only lost two games. They play quality opponents. Mm I think they're going to give a lot of people some – they're my – can I throw this out early? They're my, like, future bracket buster. They're a team you need to keep your eye on. Um, They play tough, gritty, good basketball, team basketball. Um, Haven't sat down and watched a lot of full games, but I'll click on when I see that they're playing. And, man, they have – Man, they've impressed me this year, especially in the. I mean, the Big East is no slouch. I mean, you're going to get some good basketball there between UConn, Marquette, Xavier, Villanova, Seton Hall, DePaul, Butler, like Georgetown. That's a good. It's a good conference for basketball, man. That's no slouch. Um, so kind of that's that's kind of my future bracket buster that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. We'll see if they'll garner more respect going into March.
0: Well, and Coach uh, Cooley, Cooley, yeah, he almost came for... to Michigan, man. Really? Yeah, he's been there, I think, over a decade. He's, he's, they're, they're a well coached team. But since you brought up the Big East, there was a big upset in the Big East uh, with Marquette uh, knocking off Seton Hall, who was ranked, uh, I think, 20th. Seton Hall was the number 20 <coughs> team, got Excuse knocked me. off by Marquette. Marquette's kind of my team to keep an eye on. They're not ranked. They're somewhere in like kind of that top four or five of the Big mm-hmm. East right now. But I've said it before with Coming Shaka before. Smart being there, being able to instill his style of basketball that I don't believe he ever really had a chance to to deploy when he was at Texas, but what we remember from him at VCU with the Havoc style, I think we're going to see more of that come to life uh, down here in the final stretch of the season. So Marquette's actually one of my teams to keep an eye on, uh, ironically, to your point, coming out of the Big East as well. And yeah, I mean, thats it's kind of an underrated conference
1: right now, but... They're they're playing
0: some hoops they play out some there, good man. Basketball,
1: man. They play some good basketball.
0: You know, obviously they they had to kind of regroup after the big split when they lost what Louisville, mm-hmm. Syracuse, uh, lost a handful of others from the big to the ACC, um, or who ultimately ended up in the ACC, which we hadn't really talked about because I'm looking at them going, really, all they have right now is is Duke, Duke, I think. Dude. I mean, Carolina, I don't know what's happening with with some of the Blue Bloods over there in the ACC. Even Florida State, not that they're a Blue Blood basketball program, but they've they're been good really problem. good in recent years. But anyways, yeah. that's kind of our Blue Blood double dribble. Uh, had some upsets. We'll continue to have some um, as the season plays on, and we'll bring you all that action. But, B. Holmes, let's get to the, the, the number one thing I believe on most people's minds, which is the transfer portal. Yep. I mean, this thing has been on fire. Fire. Tell me what, I mean, here's just my quick take. I've got a lot to say about this, but off the cuff as a fan, it's like a love hate relationship, Mm -hmm. right? You, you, you hate it one week because you feel like there was just this mass exodus from your program. And then you turn around the next week and you're like, Oh no, I'm in love with the transfer portal. Look at what just happened. And, and, For me personally, I'm speaking from experience as a Razorback fan because just a week ago, we're losing secondary players that seemed like by the minute, including two starters, one who was a captain, both ended up going to LSU, and then now all of a sudden we turn around this week, sign a former five-star linebacker transferring from Bama, sign a former four-star corner transferring from LSU to add to the former four-star defensive end that we already had transferred from LSU, to add to the five-star receiver we had transferred from OU. So...
1: It's love-hate. What are your thoughts on this thing? It's hate for me. Now, I love it for the players' standpoint. It's hate for me because my team, Michigan's admission standards are way too high. So we don't really benefit from the transfer portal. Like, we don't go get the kid that's coming from Bama or or LSU because of our transfer standards. It's, like, impossible to transfer into Michigan. Like, they make it super hard. Mm. Um, Which is one of the things from what I've been hearing from the people who I know who are, are semi close to the Michigan situation is something Harbaugh has really been pushing is that admissions loosens their standards so that you can compete with the the Bama's, the Georgias, the LSU's of the world because yeah, in the SEC, you guys you guys trade players like they're Pokemon cards, man. It's like oh man, you know. Um, and I'm not I'm not disqualifying how good those schools are. I think they're great academic institutions, but Michigan has this like elitism t- towards it. They Michigan refers to themselves as the like the the Harvard of the Midwest. Like mm. that's how they treat themselves. Um, academically, yes, they keep up, but they have to kind of get rid of this like stigma where you know they we want to do it right. We want those days are over. There's a new era of college football. But as far as the transfer portal in general, I think it's great. I think I love it. I love the one transfer rule. Um, do I think there needs to be? I don't know how you regulate it though. Right. That's the only thing I don't know how you but here's the thing people only have been up in arms about it because of football and basketball i was a track guy in college you could transfer freely there was no sit out like you just mm-hmm. transferred and you could run at the next institution the next year um it only mattered for big time money sports so I, I i love it i think it's a great idea i think there has to be some type of regulation um maybe there's like a transfer period like between this period and this period you can decide to transfer but even then, Trey, I don't think that stops it. Because if you create a period, a kid will just say, "Fine, if I can't put my name in the portal now, I'll just quit." Mm. They'll quit the program. Like there's, there's always going to be a loophole. Um, I don't know how you. Re- I think it's good though. I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for the kid um, because. And I've always had this argument. If the if the coach, until we put boundaries on coaches jumping ship and leaving and figure that out, then we shouldn't restrict kids for doing the same. Um, so if they can figure out a way to do it for coaches where, kind of like the NFL, there's a no tampering mm-hmm. rule. Like, you can't tamper until the season's over. You can't even entertain it until the season's over. Then I'll understand, like, hey, you can't make a decision to leave your school until a season's over. Now, if you have an internal conversation, kind of think like Kelly Bryant did like Clemson where he was just like, hey, I'm out. Like, if you're going to start Trevor Lawrence, there's no need to play me. I'll just sit the rest of the year. To me, that's okay. That's you you and your coach coming to an agreement. But, like, I do – I'm kind of like, oh, uh, man, just to drop out in the middle of the season. I I don't really necessarily agree with that. Like, it's this – it's that fine line for me. I think you and I – we grew up in the same generation. Mm-hmm. Like, we're enough old school. We, we respect it. But then, we, you know, we're part of this new movement mm-hmm. of the new school. And so I still am a firm believer of, like, fighting – for what you want. Like, if you... No, I, I get... Co- every situation is different in college, and you don't know till you get there, and things might not work out, and the position coach, like all that stuff matters. But I think there has to be some regulation, man. I just don't know how you regulate it um, to even out some of that stuff. Because right now, it just feels like it's the wild, wild west. It is.
0: And I think with regulation, though, too, like, there has to be... Not to sound corny, but there has to be education. Like... Yeah. Where it's different from coaches and players is that the players are still 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, where decisions that they're making could have big time impacts on the rest of their life. True. Even if it's not about the decision itself, it's about the habit or the sort of internal processing the internal practice that's put into place that could have a negative impact down the line for them whereas these head coaches i mean whatever they're grown a lot of them have families but they're grown men they're big boys they're adults that are well established in their life and so i'm not as concerned about making sure that coaches go through the checklist and really make sure they they make the right decision for themselves and for them no they're grown like they they need to if they're not already doing that on their own, like that's their fault. Mm. Whereas for these college kids, even though they are adults and they are young men or women or whatever sport we're talking about, I feel like with the portal being so wide open, let me say it this way. At least when you had the one year sit rule, it made you think about it a little bit longer. True. As a young man, as a young athlete, as a, as a, just a young person getting ready to make a potentially life-changing decision, this little thing they had in place. Now I'm not saying I agree or disagree with the one-year sit rule, but what I'm saying is, is with that rule being in place, it at least made the players have to think through, okay, is this really what I want to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Cause you're not going to just make an emotional decision to go sit a year. Right. You're going to make sure it really is what's best for you you. and what you want to do. And because as I think about the transfer portal, I mean, it's like life and I might get on a preacher box here, but it's like, we're all in a transfer portal of some sort. I mean, even in our everyday lives. And so with our everyday decisions and, and what I mean by that is, is college athletes, I think need to be educated on a proper way to process transferring. Now you can say, oh, well, that's up to the family. Well, some of them don't have that type of family support. And some of them, the ones that they probably don't need to be listening to are some of the ones that are the closest to them because of the motives that they have, right? Right. I mean, would you agree with that? No, that's true. true. I'm not saying that's the case for every single collegiate athlete. I'm saying, but that's the case for a lot of them. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. And so my thought is, is, okay, can we we just at least make sure that we're educating kids to at least ask these two questions, Mm -hmm. okay? Number one, does your pursuit outweigh your retreat? Okay, that's a life lesson right there in and of itself. Is what I'm pursuing outweighing what I'm leaving? In other words, if all I'm motivated by is what I'm leaving, what I'm trying to get away from, then I'm always going to end up in a place, whether it's in college sports or in life, where I'm going to just end up in a place that I produced the same results here that I produced the last place I was at. Right. Because right. it's never about what I'm pursuing towards. It's always about what I'm running away from. And that's what I say when I mean educating these young people not to just make these decisions either emotionally or either just exclusively about money. Because if it's always about well, they're not paying me enough money here or they're not playing me enough here or I don't like this guy or I don't like that guy. I don't like, it's always about what I'm trying to get away from and it's mm-hmm. never about what I'm trying to walk into. Well, then now I'm setting myself up to live a life where I just bounce from place to place, constantly producing the same results mm-hmm. and never knowing why. And the only way that I escape it is to continue to leave. And so that's the one thing. So does your pursuit outweigh your retreat? I mean, think about it right now as grown men. Someone listening to this podcast or watching it live on YouTube, okay? You probably work a job. And let's just say you work a job right now that you don't like. Mm -hmm. If all you're focused on is leaving your job and quitting your job and looking for something else only so you can quit your job. Whatever your next job is, I guarantee you this right here. Whatever your next job is that allows you to quit the job you're currently in, at some point in time, it's going to produce the same situation that you're in right now. Because you haven't really determined, okay, what am I pursuing? Like what am I wanting to step into? Mm-hmm. So, that's the first question. Does my pursue outweigh my retreat? And then the second one is what am I pursuing? So, if right. I establish, okay, this decision is more about what I'm, what I'm moving towards, not what I'm running away from. And, and I don't mean to like just harp on this, but even in interviewing, like in, in times in my life where I've worked in situations where I've been able to interview and hire staff, I always try to ask questions to see, okay, are they just running from a previous situation and this is their escape? Or are they actually wanting to pursue this opportunity that they're interviewing for? Because there yeah. is a difference. And it's a difference as a, as someone who's hiring these people, it's a difference in what you're going to get. And then on the flip side, if you're in those shoes and you're, you're, you're this, you're my escape from what I'm trying to leave. Well, what, what's to say that you're not going to all of a sudden want to be escaping here in the next three months or two months yeah. or six months or whatever. So anyway, so that's the first question. Then what am I pursuing? Because if I'm pursuing what's wrong and wrong's probably not the, the best word to use here. I don't, I hate to use right or wrong. Cause it's not about right or wrong. Right. But if I'm pursuing something that ultimately is not good for me, then I'm going to leave something that probably is good for me. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yeah. Whereas sure. if what I'm pursuing is what's good for me, then maybe what I'm leaving is something that was not good for me. And so it's like, I just hope that these these players are getting some sort of education. Or or, or maybe that's what needs to be implemented as a quality type education where it's teaching young men, young women how to process through these life-changing decisions where it's not just about money, or it's not just about trying to get out of a situation that's uncomfortable or whatever, but it really is about going, okay, I'm going to have these types of decisions my entire life. Yeah, What's the proper way to process them so that I make sure that I do not just what's going to bring me a short-term fulfillment, but what ultimately is going to be in the best interest of me long-term. I mean, to even get to my statement, I was just saying like, Like, you know, you pursue what's good. You may end up leaving what was not good for you. Or I hate to use good, bad or right, wrong, because it's not always about it's always always about that, Uh, not to get preachy, but, you know, like sometimes it's is it a good situation versus a best situation, not just a good situation versus a bad situation. But it's like, you know, as a married man, if I choose to pursue after another woman, well, guess what? I'm going to end up retreating is my current wife. Well, that's not it's not good for me. That's not what's best for me. Whereas you and I right now doing this podcast, like this is something we've decided we want to pursue. It started off as us recording a podcast with just audio back week zero of August. Right. Then that parlayed itself into a YouTube channel. Then that's parlayed itself into a relationship with Sports Illustrated. Then that's parlayed itself into us setting these goals where we go from 39 subscribers to, you know, whatever we're at now, 1500 or cl- getting close to 15. Hey, if you're watching right now, hit subscribe, Get subscribe but getting close it. to 1500. <laughs> but Point being is we've decided this is something that we believe is what's best for us. It's something that we've each went before God with and thought, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And now, depending on how this journey plays out, the more and more we pursue this thing, it's probably going to create forks in the road where we detach ourselves or leave certain things that we're in now, right? And so I don't mean to just completely harp on it, but I think there's just some lessons as far as really asking the right questions before you make a decision to transfer. Mm -hmm. Does my pursuit outweigh my retreat? What am I pursuing? And then really educating young people to understand college age people to understand the difference in adversity and toxicity, right? Just because something is, is, is showing you adversity doesn't mean it's a toxic environment that you need to leave. And I right. think sometimes with the transfer portal being this easy to access and get instant gratification out of, sometimes these players are leaving adversity that they actually need to stick it out through. Yeah. Right. But they're associating adversity with, well, it's toxic. It's just I just got to get out of here.
1: Yeah. I got to get out of here.
0: Now there are situations that probably are toxic or just, just at the end they of just the day. Fit. Yes. Aren't, they aren't just a good fit. fit. Yeah. And so absolutely do what you need to do. And so, I'm talking the long way around and getting on this preacher box. Cause I think the part of, for me that I'm passionate about are just young people in general, obviously yeah. you and I, we come from a background of being youth pastors. Right. I mean, like, right. like, <laughs> like I remember having a youth ministry with, you know, soon to be college athletes and right. yes, they're grown. Yes. They're adults, but these are things that they don't, always know and they don't always know to think about that could end up having more of an impact on the future and long-term sustainability of their life than an nil deal or you know a new coach or a a, a new you know a a starting position or whatever it is and so i just think that that those are some things that need to be brought into the equation as it Mm -hmm. pertains to educating and regulating
1: you know this wild yeah. wild west we have with the transfer portal in college sports but yeah go ahead i think it's interesting cuz there's so many nuances like um sometimes like like you said so there's i think there's just and this is why it gets hard to regulate right because there's it's broken up into like boxes of transfer portal you got the kid like you said who doesn't want the adversity you know, they were promised the world. They, you know, right. they've probably always been the best. Right. And then they, they hit to, you know, as my dad told me, hey, when you go to college, it's everybody who used to be the man on their team is now on one team. Um. <laughs> you know, right. and you kind of, you know, you become the low man on the total pole again. And, and if you've never had to experience that, you start to think it's unfair. Coach isn't playing you. He promised you all these things. And it's like, no, you got to just have that dog. But then I think there's also, like you said, there's the part where it just doesn't fit. Like you recruit some, you you commit somewhere. It looks good. You get there. I was, I was thinking about, like, Malcolm when we did his interview. He's like, man, mm. we didn't even see the locker room, you know. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like he had to make a decision like, yo, was this really, like, a good fit for me? Um, and then I think it's um, – but then there's also the nuance of where you're no longer wanted. Um, and that's, mm. like, a real – that's a real thing from college Absolutely. coaches where it's just like I know we recruited you. I know we signed you. Like, a kid from Michigan, uh, Andre Seldon, I love the kid. Four-star kid. He's, like, 5'9". So he's really, like, probably 5'7". Um, and you know, everyone's like, why would you leave? And he's like, I didn't want to leave. It's just, the culture's pretty much told me like your spot is no longer here. Mm. Um, and so like, that's a different nuance. And so yeah. that, that's why I think it gets hard for where do you regulate? Cause how do you, how do you do it? And I, and I think that's the intricacies of college sports that like a lot of casual fans don't understand. I think I have a different perspective because I was a college athlete because I, have friends who are big time college athletes. You there there's so many like you said, there's just nuance. There, there is I am completely against the kid who is who's a um not against them. I completely I don't agree with the kid that leaves based upon adversity. I think that's one thing. Oh God, I'm gonna sound old by saying this, but I don't care. I think that's one thing this generation needs more than ever is we've kind of pacified them into not having to face adversity. Right. Like there's our kids who come from nothing and they get it out the mud. Mm-hmm. And natural life circumstances has taught them adversity. But, mm-hmm. you know, listen, we used to youth pastor in Frisco, Texas, not saying those kids don't have problems, but they're not getting it out the mud. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. And so when they face a little adversity, it's like, wait a minute, you know, um, so I don't agree with that. But I do think the kid who, who gets somewhere and like I look at a guy like Caleb Williams right now, he's just good enough where this doesn't affect him as much. Right. You go to OU. You like because you go to OU to play for Lincoln Riley. That's why you're there. There's no other questions about it. And then the nuance is Lincoln leaves, and you're like, and I'm sure he sat down with Venables. I'm sure he sat down and heard him out. His camp said they did. And you're like, ah, this just isn't a fit. Like, no shade to Levy, no shade to anybody. This just isn't a. I agree with that. Okay, you go do what's because you are the type of kid. And I think this is where it is interesting with the portal. You can identify kids pretty early on now that Mm -hmm. have league potential. So like a Caleb Williams situation, I understand because I'm like, he's going to get drafted no matter where he lands. He's going to get a shot at the NFL. I'm okay with him saying, let me go figure out my options that put me in the best position to succeed in the NFL because he's that good. And then it's also the one where you have the kids who's just like, and this is where I wish Collins would be a little bit more honest about it, when instead of saying the kid is transferring, just say, hey, man, we were we going to rescind the offer. Mm-hmm. We got the scholarship. He's transferring. We came to an agreement, which really means the school told you. you we're going to go. rescind. Yeah, you got, hey, man, we're bringing in. We're bring-, like, And I can only go about baseball. But I'm looking at the Michigan situation where we just lost three defensive backs. I know why. Yeah. We just brought in five defensive backs that were in the top 250 in the country. Yeah, right. Hey, man. You're already low on the depth chart. We're bringing in these hot, hot shot four or five star freshmen. You're probably not going to play, and we need to make room because we're actually got leeway on probably somebody else we want. So I think it's just, I don't know how you regulate that though, Trey, because I think those are three separate situations, three, three different things that we know happen across the board every season. Um, so I'm for it in the sense that it gives kids opportunities, but I'm against it. Like you said, in the sense of, I don't like the kids that use it when they just face a little of adversity.
0: Well, and that's the thing for me is like, I don't even, now that we're like in this conversation, I'm almost now going, maybe you don't regulate it. Maybe, maybe what you do is you let the kid have the power to make their own decisions. hmm you know, just like you just said, the university has the opportunity to, you know, they both made a commitment, right? The school made a commitment to the player. The player made a commitment to the, to the school. So if the school has the opportunity to go back on their commitment after that season or that semester or whatever semester, yeah. I mean, or, or let's just call it what it is. I made a semester commitment, not a a four four year year commitment. And so, so for me is okay. Both it's all is well, all is fair. Each college athlete can make their own decisions. I just think I'm more passionate about the long-term benefit for the, for the kids, for the players. Yeah. Not, not as athletes, like as humans, as men, yeah. as women, as people who can go on to become productive members of society and make a good living for themselves. Not, not people who, well, if the football thing doesn't work out,
1: it's I, I've I've always said this, though. I think it needs to... This is where the NCAA, I believe, can help. They'll never do it. I don't think they'll ever do this. No. Not how we run college sports now. I think you make that 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 scholarship, let's be honest, your, your semester scholarship, you make it, I would, a mandatory two years unless the kid mm. decides to opt out. Mm. If the, the kid still gets his power, if the kid says, hey, I'm gone, This isn't working for me. That's different. But I think if a kid signs, if you sign that kid to an athletic scholarship, you should at least, I would like, now, I mean, they maybe do honor for a full year. I think you honor for a full two years. Mm. Like, you have to honor that unless the kid decides he opts out and wants to transfer. Because right now, this is why I don't blame kids so much on a transfer portal, because they know the game. They know. It could easily happen to them. This could happen to me if, yeah. you know, yeah, you love me this month, but like you said, Arkansas has got a five-star linebacker. What kid was paying the price for that kid to come in? What kid behind the scenes who was low on the depth charts like, hey, buddy, like, we love you. Thank you for contributing to the team. You can – your your scholarship's gone. So you got to find a new home in the next couple of weeks because spring ball starts in the, in six weeks. Mm-hmm. You have to find a new home in six weeks to hopefully find a place to play football. I think you change changed some of this. Um, I think you bring some of the instant transfer down if a kid isn't always looking over their shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. if and if the if the university has to be held accountable to say, hey, if you sign this letter of intent, you're planning, we guarantee for two years we cannot cut you. Unless it's disciplinary action, you know, different things like that. But for two years, we we are committing to you for two, that at least gets you an associate's degree. After that, two, we can decide if we want to, hey, it's not working after these two. We'll let you go. I, I think they have to go to a contract based system. So I think that's the only way that works.
0: So let me ask you this you, you almost have to, you know, be, in order for this uh, sort of college free agency mm-hmm. to, be, to be in control. But so let me ask you this what if a scholarship offer to a high school recruit is a two year commitment, mm-hmm. like you're saying, right? That's basically what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. A transfer portal situation goes back to a semester. So, so now at least I'm not prevented from playing a year, but at least there is some level of, there's a layer of, I don't think accountability is the word, but there's Mm -hmm. a layer of, you better make sure this is what you want to do built in to go. Okay. If I transfer out of here, I'm basically cashing in the year and a half guarantee I have left of this scholarship to take on basically what they operate under now, which is a semester to semester type deal. And so at least now there's a piece built in to make me go as a player.
1: Okay. Is this really what's best for me to do this? I would do this for this, for the transfer. I would make it a one year because we had to hold coaches accountable too. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, if a coach knows if I offer this kid in high school, because this is the other problem we're running into, they're throwing out offers that aren't committable. Yeah. So now, if you sign a kid, you know you have him for two years. He's in your two year plan. We know we have him. And then, if you bring in a transfer, I have this kid for a year. One, I think it makes coaches be a lot more responsible about how they recruit and who they recruit. They don't over recruit anymore. And then, you know, like saving that. I mean, Saban wins, so people don't really look at it. But Saban's the king of gray shirting. Like yeah. people don't understand what that is. You know, it's like you over recruit. You tell a kid, "Hey, um, technically you're on the team, but you can come to you, you won't join until like spring when the scholarship opens up." And it's a really weird SEC schools have been doing it for forever. Saban is like the king
0: of it. Oh, Arkansas benefited from it. I think that's how we got Darius Phylon, who is now playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a defensive tackle was supposed to go to Bama and I think got gray shirted at like the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. And then he,
1: he came, he to came over. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you do that, it makes, cause I think that's when you look at the portal, you also have to look at the coaches and you have to look at the landscape of recruiting. I think it doesn't, it's always going to be crazy because college recruiting is just college recruiting. But I think right. that kind of puts some barometers and some barriers on it where now, one, you have to be more – you have to be better, and I think coaches have to be better with the athletes. But then, like you said, it makes the athlete think. Like, if I'm a high school kid now, and I know of, like, okay, I, I do have the free transfer rule, but I will make it a little harder. Like, I would go back. Because I'm also – this is why – I'm also not against the sitting out the year rule if you go to a contract base, but you still get to retain that year of eligibility. So what happened before, you remember you transferred, you lost that year. So if you left after your freshman year, you lost your sophomore year technically, um, and then you got your junior, senior, you year, had two years in the school, could decide if they wanted to give you that, that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was technically used as a wretched a year. But I think if you go back to that with the transfer, so that way everybody's more responsible. A kid knows you got two years here so you don't have to look over your shoulder. But just know, if you choose to opt out of this, there will be another year sit out. You have to sit out. Host kids responsible, host coaches responsible, and then if you do transfer, they do guarantee you that year.
0: And then, and then what if a prerequisite to entering the transfer portal was completing a sort of counseling slash coaching requirement something yeah not not something where i sit at a computer with some white haired you know (laughs) right completely disconnected from my generation suit and tie wearing guy telling me about why transferring Mm -hmm. this no i'm saying like a true like compliance person coaching like Mm -hmm. like send me to like send me to sit down with a guy and like let's talk through this Right. Let's make some lists here. Like let's, let's have a practical coaching process of really determining, is this what's best it's and like a character the, coach, character coach, something where you yeah. really have to go through a process to go. Okay. And then if at the end of the process, you still like your mind's just already made up, at least though, if you know, it's not what you need to be doing, like you at least had to acknowledge that like right. you had to like confront that internally not that you would say that but you know what i mean like like really takes cuz i i'm telling you be homes there are so many former college athletes who had the talent to play in the NFL and even if they didn't if they could have at least found a niche to study while they were there, while they were in college could have gone on to be a productive member of society that are now I don't want to like throw job like certain jobs out there and just just, you know, sort of of step on certain people. But like I'm telling you right now, and I know of some people personally who are not living the life right now that they want to be living. And it all goes back to a decision that they made their freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. Their freshman year of college when they were redshirted and had never had to ever practice their whole life without playing games didn't know how to handle it transferred out if
1: you like that and so
0: could we get someone like could we invest into that element and i get it i know you like each program they have like their recruiting coordinators and they have these coaches and they have all that stuff but i'm saying someone who's not biased to the university University. yep like a non-biased party that knows how to communicate and connect with athletes and connect not just with people who can connect with young people. And really, it has nothing to do with athletics, but it's all about going through a decision-making process. Because when you're at college age, you know just as well as I do, Like you really haven't gone through any of that type of training unless you were in a household that really, really emphasized it. And even, even if you're in a household that really, really emphasized it, a lot of times, by the time you're old enough to really retain what they're trying to tell you, a lot of times you're going... I'm not listening to yeah, you. I'm not
1: listening to you right now.
0: <laughs> you know, I got to go figure this out on my own. And so sometimes the best voice of reason you can have is a non-biased outside third party that comes in, shows yeah. a genuine interest in you and their only their only motivation and their only agenda is to help you make the best decision for yourself. Right. And maybe that is in place and I'm just unaware of it. But like that would be a good thing for, in my opinion, the NCAA to invest in. Yeah. If you're not going to regulate it, okay, let's let's educate it. Like let's let's. Now it would take a lot of manpower because of how many. But no, make it a you have to complete this
1: yeah. process. Yeah, and it I, not
0: I, be just some you like defensive driving where you just sit there and let the video run and then right. click next, 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 and then you answer the. No, it. I'm saying like a genuine dialogue. Like, but. I think think, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm sorry. Let me just get this last thing. I think what I'm passionate about with this is, I actually am not bothered when kids transfer, right? Like they've earned the right to make that decision. So whether they made it emotionally, whether they thought it through, like a kid transferring, like that's their, that, that is their decision to make. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What bothers me is when I see these kids make these decisions that were obviously influenced by the wrong voices. Yep. And then they end up stepping into a situation where they think the grass is going to be greener or they think the money's going to be greener. And it ultimately ends up being devastating, not just to their playing career, but to their life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we miss is when we allow, when we, when we don't put enough emphasis on a young person, making a life-changing decision and really coaching them through that process. It can have lifelong detrimental impacts. And that's yeah. what I think I'm more, more than, oh, they're a quitter. They're quitting. No, look, I don't. It's more about what are they learning in that process? What pattern are they establishing? And how is that going to impact them later on in life? And a part of why I'm passionate about it is because like I just said, I I, I know people. <laughs> right, like, right. Personally, exactly. who could be living a totally different life right Same. now had they had that intervention yep. when they were in college.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I I think that I think they're trying to get there. Like shout out to Ryan Day, head coach of Ohio State, bring in like a mental specialist that his kids mm-hmm. can talk to. That I thought that was a real. I mean, I hate Ohio State, but I thought that was worth celebrating. Man, to bring in a mental health counselor that his kids can talk to, um, right, and navigate that. And I think I think that's going to kind of shout out to this new generation of kids really pushing mental health and really being open and honest and talking about it. Um, and, and really speaking to I'll get, man, I give Gen Z that they're very honest about what their needs are. So I I could see that becoming within the next decade, some type of regulation within athletic departments, especially the departments that could afford it, that are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars of having some type of mental health coach slash life coach, um, there's a guy that does it for Florida state for Bama. I forget his name. He has a book. He's super great. Like I've sat in a seminar of his, I can't think of his name, but that's starting to become a thing. So I'm interested to see how this kind of plays out. And if more athletic departments will get behind that and saying, this is the person who's on staff. They're not even sports fans per se. We don't even know if they right. like sports, right? They're just here to help you make a better life decision. Like you said, in a better mental space to make that type of decision. Um and,
0: and someone maybe even if they're with the university, they're not associated with where like with the program to a point where the head coach can't go say, Hey, if this kid leaves, right, you're out. Right. You know what I mean? Where where then it can't you can't start yeah. muddying the waters where then now I'm
1: trying to guide a kid with an ulterior motive of keeping right. my job. If that exactly. makes sense. Yeah. No, no. You just need this, this person to be completely detached essentially. Yeah. Um, like out, they need to be outsourced essentially. This is, it's like, so what we do, like I work for a church when we don't offer counseling at our church for whatever reasons we do. Um, We have reasons why we don't, but we outsource it. Right. So now it's like, Hey, this is the organization we trust. Um, We love them. We think they're great. They'll guide you in the right direction. Here's who you, call them, tell them we sent you, they'll connect you.
0: Maybe that's think, our next venture, be Holmes. Maybe maybe that's what we're...
1: I've always said, man, you know, and, I, and we both have dealt with college athletes over our career. That's something, like, I've, I'm very big in, man. I think these these kids need it, man, because I think about the decision. For me, the decision to transfer out of ORU, I'll always look back at that and how different my life would have looked if I would have went back. Um, mm. Like, I, it took me years to get over what i gave up deciding to transfer out um and obviously my life turned out well i have a great life i have a great career but i've always and i and i've me and my coach have kept in contact over years and i remember having a conversation with him like after four years after i transferred out it's like right after my father passed away and he's like man i was so sad when you left he's like you had olympic potential Mm. like i'm not saying you would have made it but you had olympic potential like it was it was inside of you um and I've always thought about that, like, ah, if I never would have left ORU, would I have at least made the shot? Would I would I have had the shot to go after it? Would I, you know, obviously, you know, everything everything has to play in the right way for you to make those moments happen in your athletic career. But I've always thought that, like, man, if I would have just kind of like, and I will just be completely transparent. I had a horrible freshman year academically. So they were like, hey, you got to sit. And I was like, uh, and so, you know, I end up going doing the military thing and all that. And I always look back, like, if I would have just kind of like swallowed my pride in that moment, went back, had the conversation with my parents, I'm not doing this military thing. I'm going to go get this out the mud because this is what I want to do. Hmm. Go back, suck it up, live through the embarrassment. Why aren't you running this year? Because I did bad in academic. I did bad academically. I'm going to get my grades back up. I'm going to still train with the team and I'll be back in the spring to compete. I always think about what that would have did for me mentally mm. as an athlete and what I may have accomplished because now I it would have meant more because mm. I would I didn't run. I would have been like, no, I faced this giant head on. I attacked it. I fixed the problem. I went and got it. I've always wondered what I, how different my track career would have looked. Um, obviously, you know, maybe you could get hurt, maybe all these things. But I'm saying in the perfect world, if I don't get hurt in that situation, I at least go pro for a couple of years, without a doubt. With, without a doubt, I go pro mm. for a couple of years. I'm not saying I would have made the Olympics, but I would have had a shot at pr- going professional. But I have to live with that, you know. Yeah. I've had to live with that since I was nineteen years old, and so I've ex- I've actually never really like shared that openly. But no, I I agree. I completely agree with you. There has to be something that helps guide the kid do that, man. Well, and then on the flip side,
0: I'm I'm coming from my my vantage point where here I grow up the namesake of my granddad being a nine-year NFL all-pro player played for arguably two of the greatest head coaches to ever coach the game of football he played for Paul Brown and Tom Landry okay Mm -hmm. he's in the NCAA Hall of Fame his banner is hanging up somewhere at uh, McLean Stadium in Waco (laughs) my dad Went on. He had offers from everywhere in the Southwest Conference. He got hurt, played a year at Washington Baptist in Arkansas, and then he transferred to Baylor and was a part. Of, played with Mike Singletary. Was a part of uh, their last South. Their basically their last conference championship team before the Bryles era. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, played for Grant Taff, who's kind of considered a legendary coach in the Baylor in the Baylor circuits. And so I'm named after both of these guys, and I'm thinking, okay, this is what my path is. And it really wasn't until I got to like my senior year in high school and really freshman in college where I was like, like I can chart my own path. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I started having some opportunities, you know, doing some public speaking type stuff started like kind of started working as a, as a pseudo youth pastor, you know, my senior year in high school, I was like 16, 17 years old. And then next thing you know, I was having opportunities to speak at these conferences and, 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 basically ended up living a life i would have never thought possible Mm. that was more tailored to my skill set i mean because like look i was a decent high school athlete but i was nothing special you know what i mean i wasn't (laughs) like this great whatever it's not like like if anything coaches wanted me around for the locker room because i was a good influence on all (laughs) the best players you know what i (laughs) mean like that was my biggest gift to a to to any athletic team that i played on and then the fact that like i had to learn the ins and outs of the game, like basketball and football. Like if I wanted to play, like I had to make sure I knew the playbook. I had to make sure I understood how to rotate over and take a charge or do this on defense and communicate and things like that in basketball. And so part of not being a good player kind of helped my knowledge of the game. But the bottom line is, is how many kids continue to walk this path because they feel like they're in this shadow that they have to live up to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they get to this level in college they want to hit the transfer portal because really deep down, they're like, man, I really need to take a couple of years to develop. I, I wouldn't mind being a red shirt and then, you know, playing third string for a couple of years and really right. learning the ins and outs like deep down. But then they, they feel this pressure to go transfer somewhere where they can play immediately because they feel like if they do what they feel is what's right in their gut, that they're going to be a disappointment to people. Yeah. And like, that's what I had to deal with. Like, that's what I had to come to grips with was like, no, no, no. I'm not, I always thought I, by me choosing the path I chose, I always felt like I was this huge disappointment to people. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I mean, this isn't something I just go on record and share publicly with everybody. But the bottom line is, is I had to come to grips throughout my life. You know, now as a, as a dad and a husband (laughs) and like all those, you know, you'd like to, you know, hopefully you can get yourself to a point where you realize like, okay, It really wasn't like right. Everything I thought in my mind was the reality of me making that was actually not the truth at all. Right, and in fact, in some cases, I earned more respect from the people I thought I was disappointing because I was willing to make the decision of what I knew was best and right for me. Right, and I think you take both of those stories, like you and I just shared. Like, think of how many athletes right now are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulder. In one of those situations.
1: Yeah. Or it's even this, like one of the kids, and you know him well. He played with my brother. Um, dude, he's doing so well. I'm so proud of him. The kid, um, we got to have him on the show, Ely. I remember oh, we had yeah. a really, yeah, we had a really interesting conversation. I remember he came and visited me, and he was in Philly, so we did lunch. And he said, man, I've always, I always meant to thank you. And I said, for what? He goes, man, you had a conversation with me when I was a senior in high school. I He goes, I heard it, but it didn't hit me till I was a sophomore. And um he was like I'll never forget. I was in your kitchen and you know Elias signed with SMU and man I mean the kid just had it. All. I mean the kid's 6'6". He's got He was a man. monster even in yeah, high school. I 6'6" 245 that. in high school. I mean you just can't ran like Oof. a gazelle. Just Ely had the NFL type of pro. You just looked at him and you go, right. wouldn't shock me if the kid ends up playing on Sundays cuz he's that he's that kid. Yeah. And I remember I remember the conversation. I was like, "Hey man, you know, I'm proud of you." Just know Cause I was like, you know, everyone's like, you're going to go to the NFL and you're 18. That's all you think. I that's said, man, think. I said, just think there might be a day when you wake up and you don't want to do this anymore. And that's okay. Mm. It's going to, I said, it's going to feel it's, there might be a day when you wake up and you realize this is just a job and you might make the decision. You don't want this job to be your full-time life.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah,
1: I love the game. And I've heard that comment from so many. I love the yeah. game. It'll never. Yeah. And he told me this when we met Trey, he goes, it was my sophomore year. I realized I'm good. I realized I, I had the size. You know, I got friends that have gone to the league at this point. He goes, but man, I woke up one day and I was like, I don't want this to be my job anymore. He's like, I just, it's just not that. He goes, and then luckily he had the camp around him that was like, but you're going to SMU. A SMU degree will get you into any door possible. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he leveraged that, got his degree, did his graduate year at Texas Southern and got a master's degree for free. And so I think about there's kids in my situation, there's kids in your situation, and then there's kids like Ely's situation where you're like, hey, they need coaching as well. Like, hey, don't transfer. Like, play what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Get a degree from SMU, from Baylor, from wherever, because this this degree means something. I mean, it can get you into some doors. And then, hey, if you really want to get a master's and you got a free year, why don't you, you know, go transfer? He went to Texas Southern. He's like, yeah, man, it was just like, hey, they had a good program in this. You know, they're not a football powerhouse, but yeah. they had a good program and I got a free master's degree. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I know we're in this era where, like, degrees and stuff are looking different, but I'm like, they're, I'm with you. There needs to be something in place to help every kid navigate this because we know, like, what is it like 1% of kids, 1.7% of kids go Division One. Yeah. Even There's only 300-some-odd dudes in the NFL, so, like, not everybody's going to go. So how do you leverage where you're at? um to make the right decisions and that's the thing like you said I believe these athletes need I had it and my father my father was just you know my dad was such mm-hmm. help me navigate even the stuff with ORU and even then he's like man I, I remember that. he's like I kind of slipped on that we we should have handled that a little bit different mm-hmm. but I at least had somebody in my camp that was like when I was transferred from ORU and I'm like yo I want to go to LSU and he was like no 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 I remember he's like let's go to Baylor a Baylor degree Goes a little bit further than the LSU degree. Trust me. And like he was the one who kind of helped me navigate. If you are going to transfer, look at what do you want to do with your life? Okay, let's look at these schools because of right. these programs. Like the like you said, and I know we're kind of shooting a dead horse. Those type of people need to be in the athletic department to have that type of conversation because this is the one question I ask any kid that comes to me about recruiting. If you weren't playing a sport, would you still go to school there? Mm. If you weren't playing a sport, would you still go to school there? Okay, if you're transferring, let's. What do you want to do with your life? You want to be a if dentist? they didn't need a quarterback right, right now, would you go? Would you go? Would you go? And what are you studying? Do they have a good program yeah. for that? You know, it's just those. And not that that
0: can't be part of why you go. Obviously, right, if there's exactly. Opportunity there, and it's a great fit for you. But but that's the thing. There's just there's so many layers to this onion, so to speak. That these players deserve to have someone at least like walk them through that without mm-hmm. any type of agenda one way or the other right i don't know man maybe we're on to something with
1: man we just went on a uh, huge another, tangent on, yeah <laughs>
0: hey we're not even going to do this last segment i think we're going to save this segment but i will tell you all listening or watching we got a really a cool segment. it's gonna be a fun uh segment. it's regarding the nfl playoffs so shout out nfl playoffs i know uh we Which got the, the 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 rams and the cardinals, the cardinals capping off uh the wild card weekend uh tonight and um you know we'll we'll get it we'll get to this next week but it's a i think it's a it'll be a fun segment be a fun on segment. on the the players uh in the nfl and kind of how it correlates back to college but that was good conversation i mean that's that's how we want this to be. If you're still with us and you're watching right now, please hit subscribe. Obviously I haven't looked at the comments, but if you're leaving comments, thank you so much. We'll respond to those. Uh, And if, and if you haven't, like if you just heard that whole spiel, we just went on regarding the transfer portal. Let us know your thoughts. Um, You know, we're always going to give you our, our opinion and our, our, Mm. our just raw uncut thought process on things. And uh, it's, it's, I think you can tell with both me and B. Holmes whether sometimes we agree with each other, sometimes we don't, but like we're both very convicted and grounded in what we believe in. And I think where you and I, Brandon, like where we're always going to be on the same page, is like we want these young athletes to win at life. Absolutely. And the whatever the best path for them to win at life, whether that's staying put, transferring, whether that's starting or sitting, whether that's mm-hmm. playing or redshirting, whatever it is, like we're going to support and we're all about if it's ultimately going to lead to them winning at life. And that's, I think what the bottom line of our conversation we just had was is let's make sure we're putting education pieces and regulation pieces in place, Mm -hmm. not to hinder the athlete, but to help ensure that the decisions they're making as 18, 19, 20, 21 year old young people are setting themselves up to be winners In life. And like, I mean, I, I, and what I mean, like why would not like, Oh yeah, they have this worldly. No, I'm saying like they have peace. They have, you know, mental, emotional. Yeah. You know, spiritual strength and yeah. Joy. Like, like those aspects of life that a lot of former athletes just flat out don't
1: have. They
0: don't. And it can all go back to a decision they made when they were in
1: college. Mm -hmm.
0: But that's the
1: Blue Bloods College Game Time podcast for you, right there. there it is, man. That's a good episode. But well, once again, man, yo, thanks for joining. Thanks for streaming. Especially, I forgot who it is who sent us the DM he streamed every last one of our shows. Um, man, I forget his name. Yes, I saw um, it. I think bro, it was like
0: something your mama or something. Yeah, like something. Whatever.
1: <laughs> you know who you are, man. Thank you. We. I went, I'm i sorry I didn't remember your name. My apologies. Thank you, man. Shout out to our. Always got to give them some love. Our Nebraska and Arkansas faithful, man. Yeah, they're really helping us build this thing. Um, we, we made it. We're going to come to some games this year. I really want to come to the Nebraska OU game. I think, Trey, yes. you had an Arkansas game you really wanted to go to yep. this year. And man, we, Arkansas we, Ole Miss. Arkansas Ole Miss. We're going to find a way to be there, have like a lot of meet and greet. I don't know. We're going to figure it out, but we're going to do it this year. But, man, any closing remarks before I do my deal? Yes.
0: We don't have time. But, and maybe we'll revisit this next week, depending on how this upcoming week plays out. But. When Ole Miss backed up the Brinks truck to extend Ooh, Lane Kiffin. Oh gosh. If you go back and find that episode or find the video, it would have been it would have been the episode of the weekend when he signed his extension or agreed mm-hmm. to the extension. I can't remember if that was late November or early December. I specifically said my my response to that. Is exactly what's happening at Old Miss it right was. now. I'm gonna leave it at that. There's your teaser.
1: It was. You did say that. Well, hey, we'll have to revisit that. <laughs> now we got a we got a great episode coming next week because we have a bunch of stuff we didn't get to. <laughs> but <laughs> um, full full episode for you. But yo, once again, thank you for joining us, man. Follow us on our Twitter handles, uh, Twitter handles below. I'm trying to get better. I had a guy hit me on Twitter like, "Hey, man, love your stuff. Sometimes like, you have a couple gaffes. You're talking too fast. So trying to slow down and." Yeah. Uh, I appreciate Thank the, you for your hey, feedback. Thank yeah. you for the feedback, yeah. man. You know, hey, we're we're not professionals, but we're trying to That's become true. them. So thank we're you. We're fans. Thank you guys for that. We're fans. But follow us here on Twitter, man. Make sure you guys uh, keep supporting. Hit the subscribe button. Share with your friends. Man, we appreciate you guys who do share our stuff, and we see it on Facebook and all that and on Twitter. And, um, uh, man, uh, hope you guys have a great, great weekend. Uh, for college basketball fans, you know, enjoy your wins. If your team won this week, if they lost. Rest in your laurels. And until next week. Peace. I Peace. love college, hey. college football. Hey. I love March Madness. Hey. Man, I love college.